Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Can't wait to get to our topic today and just talk about a lot of world events and what's happening in our country as well with Dr. Andy Woods. And uh, we just right now just need to ask God for, for guidance and wisdom here. So, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to encourage believers in the truth of Christ, to challenge them hopefully, in their perspective as they try to cultivate that eternal perspective and biblical worldview and strengthen themselves, being rooted and grounded in the Word. Uh, Lord, help us to point people to Jesus as we talk about some of the disappointing and potentially discouraging things that are happening around the world. But from your Word, Lord, we know that uh, truth wins, and we know that you never change. But this world is changing, so give us wisdom on how to approach things, not only how to uh, look at things and address them, but also how to live one day at a time in this culture and uh, truly try to make an impact for Christ. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for giving us life and uh, for allowing us to um, just have everything you, you give us on a daily basis, the hope that we have, the salvation, and just what we have to look forward to. We can hardly imagine, but we are so looking forward to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're blessed to have Dr. Andy Woods back with us, and uh, the last time I think we talked about his book, Babylon, The Bookends of Prophetic History, and it's doing very well, praise God, on Amazon. Of course, uh, he's a pastor-teacher at Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, one of our most popular guests on Stand Up For The Truth. Andy, welcome back, brother. David, thank you so much for that. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to talk to you today. Yeah, a lot going on, and I'm taking a lot of this information from your recent pastor's point of view that you do weekly, or at least try to. I know it must be hard keeping up with everything, but I want to just mention, we uh, Travis, our producer, put together a list several months ago of uh, just, just people that download our podcasts and, and the guests, and you are in the top 10 of the most popular guests, most on the highest number of downloads, and so I mean that's just a little thing, but it's it's good to know for from us where people are coming from and what they're interested in. So kudos, brother. We and I'm sure they they appreciate your teaching just like I do. Yeah, well, that's that's encouraging to hear, mm-hmm. and you know, it's always it's always um, you know rewarding to be able to contribute to something like this. Your your podcasts, which is all about the promotion of truth. So Amen. praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, easy question. Well, you know what? I forgot. I've got to mention this. Um, uh, because of you, it's your fault that I'm going to be at J.B. Hickson's church uh, this Sunday. <laughs> you introduced us, and he's been a blessing on this podcast as well. But I will be in Colorado if you're in the Denver area. we I know we have a bunch of families or couples that listen from Colorado Springs, Denver area. So please invite people this Sunday to Plum Creek Chapel. That's in Sedalia, Colorado. It's really close to Denver, uh, Castle Rock, that area. So I'll be there, 9 a.m. service at Plum Creek Chapel with J.B. Hickson. So, Andy, thank you for that introduction, by the way. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that worked out, and he's a fine fine man, and yes. he, he cuts it straight theologically, and He's got some wonderful teaching, and I'm glad you're going to be uh, contributing to his wonderful ministry. Yeah, another great teacher. Praise God. I'm just so blessed to uh, just meet more men of God in different parts of the country. But let's get to this easy question. I'm going to throw you a softball first to kick things off. And this is about presidential approval ratings. And um, I've gone on record so often saying it doesn't matter um, how low a presidential approval rating is. I mean, Biden is now at— um, 38%, I believe, of those who approve, nearly half of those surveyed, 46%, say Biden has done a worse job as president than they expected. Kamala, Kamala Harris is at 28%, even worse than Biden's. And then there was another poll, Andy, that said if you were going to vote in the next election, um, vote for a Trump or a Republican or Joe Biden, it was something like... Uh, 45 to 40, 
43 or 42. It was still relatively close. And you kind of go, wait a minute. Biden's approval rating is so low. And then you have to remember that does it doesn't matter. Even if Biden isn't on the ticket, 90, and this is my take, 98% of Democrats will continue to vote for whoever is Democrat. It doesn't matter what they believe, their worldview, their policies, they're going to vote Democrat. Andy, your thoughts on whether presidential approvals even matter? Well, I mean, I think you're right. There is a hardcore constituency, you know, in the Democratic Party that it doesn't matter, you know, who their guy is, they're going to get behind him. But really the group to look look at is that group of people that Reagan, you know, would call the Reagan Democrats. And there are certain Democrats that um, are open-minded. And, you know, you're never going to convince the hardcore ideologues to vote for a different candidate. But if you can, you know, there's fewer registered Republicans than registered Democrats. And so if you can get those Reagan Democrats to shift over in a national election, which sometimes they did, sometimes they do, you know, the Republicans have a path to victory. So I believe that this happened in 1980. It happened again in 1984. And uh, it happened again in 1988. And I believe that Trump uh, won in 2016 because that group shifted over. And so, you know, that would be the only um, relevance I would see to a presidential poll. I mean, if it, if it gets low enough, maybe you can get those Reagan Democrats to shift, which gives, you know, the Republicans a chance to capture the White House. Well, that's a good perspective, I believe. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. We don't put our hope in politics, but we have to understand right. it, it is actually you look at it from a spiritual perspective. It's it's two different worldviews we're looking at, either a politician or whether it's Republican or Democrat, they either support the biblical worldview, the existence of God and and all that we believe when it comes to biblical morality, the laws of nature and nature's God, or you support the other view, which is an antichrist view, the the spirit of you know the age. And so um, th- there's really two ways to look at it. So yeah, we'll see what happens as uh, things continue to. I can't see them getting better in the next <laughs> six yeah. months to a year, but we'll see. Okay, next, um, Andy, your take on the good news we had um, last week, the federal court that blocked the Biden vaccine mandate. We were encouraged by that. I know there's going to be a lot of court cases coming up, though, right? Right. And, you know, it's always, um, you know, uh, uh, hopeful when judges actually look at the Constitution, you know, <laughs> and try to apply it rather than, you know, reinvent it or rewrite it or say it's a living document. And so anytime a judge stands up for freedom, you know, it's always a wonderful thing. But of course, you've got at the federal court level, you've got, you know, your district courts and you've got circuit courts, then you've got federal courts, and, uh, excuse me, the Supreme Court. And so it's never over till it's over. <laughs> You know, and, you know, all of these decisions always get appealed, you know, up the chain. And so you always wonder what the next guy up on the chain is going to do. But this is is why presidential politics is such a big deal, because the president, you know, appoints all of these um, federal judges. And they're basically in there for life. And so that's why I'm always voting for the most conservative guys I could find, because mm-hmm. their legacy will be around, you know, long after that particular conservative president, le- you know, leaves the Oval Office. So fortunately, Trump had a chance to appoint a lot of federal judges. Yes. And I don't want to see the Democrats have too many terms, because they'll remake the federal judiciary. And decisions like you know, that you're talking about that are favorable, you know, we won't see too frequently if that happens. So let's transition now into a lot of what you shared in your pastor's point of view. I know, um, I I don't know where a lot of our audience, uh, you know, stands as far as do they watch those every week. I I don't know if they keep up with everything, but there's so much good information here. And a couple of things, just so you know, friends, what we're going to be talking about, um, global management by crisis. Um, We're going to be talking about the religious aspect of the New World Order. I'm mentioning Pope Francis and some of his, we know kind of his worldview already, but we'll talk about that, climate change. And also, there's this, I wasn't aware of this, the New World Order headquarters in the Middle East. So do you want to start with that, Andy, or, or what would you like to do? 
Well, you know, those are all wonderful topics. I guess we could talk about the religious uh, aspect of the New World Order. And, sure. you know, basically the New World Order is a... First of all, it's not new. <laughs> it was tried on the plains of Shinar back at the Tower of Babel. But it's basically a one-world system of economics, politics, and religion that excludes God. And so I like to think of it as a three-legged stool. You know, it's got an economic element. It's got a political element. And the part that's interesting to me is the religious element. You know, there has to be sort of a, a Christian, and I put that term in quotation marks, because mm. I don't think it's true Christianity, but right. kind of a spiritual, you know, veneer to it. I mean, it has to kind of appear like it's moral and just. And I just watch the language of this current pope, you know, always, yes. uh, you know, kind of giving a spiritual thumbs up to concepts that are in the New World Order. For example, George Soros, for a long time, has talked about a world without borders, or a borderless world. And lo and behold, you know, and you, it, here comes the Pope basically saying, well, that, that of course, is Christ-like, yeah. you know, uh, to have a world without borders. And he says in this particular quote, uh, we are called to be witnesses that is possible to pass beyond the walls of selfishness and personal national interest. So if you believe in borders, you know, you, I guess you're selfish. And he goes on and he says, as Christians, here comes the Christian card, oh, okay. we're called to a love that transcends borders and limits, close quote. So I, I would just encourage people to pay attention to those kind of quotes, because mm -hmm. they're, they're there by design. They're also an exercise in blatant hypocrisy, because yes. the Pope <laughs> lives, you know, he lives behind a gated wall, yeah, the a wall in a gated community. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've actually been there myself to Vatican City, and one of the things that's the most striking thing about visiting that is when you step outside the gates onto the steps, and I'm not talking about, you know, going down the block a few and finding an alley. I'm talking about literally on the steps there in Italy, there are homeless people that come up to you right away asking for money. Wow. You know, after you've just gone through this tour, you know, of all of the wealth, you know, there in Vatican City. And so I find this very interesting because these globalists that are always talking about, you know, the poor and the hungry and we need a more equitable society, they never practice what they preach. And the Pope is certainly not practicing what he's preaching because he himself lives in, in isolation you know, behind this gate, this, these gates and walls, and he's at the same time, you know, using the Bible, supposedly, or Jesus, to call for more love, which to him means uh, a world that, a love that transcends borders. So I just find that interesting. Yeah, the hypocrisy is glaring, because he lives behind these massive walls. By the way, I think the Pope's favorite color is gold, but don't quote me on that, because as you know, you go through Vatican City and you go inside and see the tours, and oh my goodness, the wealth, the extravagance. But, you know, few people point to that. But one thing he did say that you shared in this quote, Andy, is that they want to commit to a kind of society where forms of selfishness and partisan interests do not prevail. And yet, he's constantly talking about climate change, and you need governments and politics to enforce some of these policies. And isn't that a partisan interest, or am I misreading that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's kind of like, you know, all of these politicians on the left that, you know, are all into these mask mandates, and yet when you get them on private camera, um, they're at these lavish parties where there's no social distancing, nobody has a mask on. So it's one of these cases of rules, you know, for thee, but not for me. Mm. You know, these elites that are putting together this new world order, they have no intention, you know, of living under the same rules that they want to use to basically enslave the rest of us. So you're right, he is pursuing a partisan interest, it's just, um, you know, he thinks he's justified in doing it because it's, you know, the whole climate change issue. So I guess his gospel is climate change. Mm -hmm. You know, my gospel and your gospel is the sacrifice Savior Jesus Christ. 
it's evangel evangelism and discipleship. So this is obviously a, a religious system that's far, far away from what the Bible, you know, represents concerning what's true. And that takes us to the next point about the New World Order headquarters in the Middle East. And there's a website, it's called backtojerusalem.com, when it's, it's talking about a one-world religion, the headquarters set to open next year. Andy, tell us a little bit about that, because I don't think most of us are, are aware this is happening or that this even exists. Yeah, this is a very interesting article. I mean, it's talking about um, what's, what they call an Abrahamic house. You know, we've had the Abraham Accords. Mm -hmm. Now we've got this Abraham house. Why do they keep selecting the, the name Abraham I mean, basically, they're trying to unite the three great faiths um, of the world. So those would be Judaism and Islam, and uh, I don't call this Christianity, I would call it Christendom. Mm. Uh, and so they would, you know, all three faiths would respect the, the character Abraham. And so that's why I think Abraham has been selected. Mm. He's been, he's like the tie that binds, but... Anyway, you can go online and, and see pictures of this. There's act, actual video of it, but it's an actual uh, three kind of homes set up kind of as a meeting for, uh, you know, a conglomeration of future world leaders to kind of bring the religions of the world together. And I find it very interesting because everybody has told me, you know, since I became of age as a Christian, that this is going to be headquartered in Rome. Well, I just wrote a book called Babylon, The Bookends of Prophetic History, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I think Babylon means Babylon, and I think this headquarters is going to be located in Babylon. And I find this interesting because the headquarters here, and the Pope is involved in this, is going to be located in the United Arab Emirates, which I don't think is the final capital, but it sure is a lot closer to literal Babylon mm -hmm. than is Rome. And even the Pope himself... The pontiff is apparently on board with this. So all of these globalists, you know, it's like they're constructing their new world order, but at the same time they're looking for a headquarters for it. Mm -hmm. And all of the proposals for a headquarters seem to be inching us more towards the direction of literal Babylon in the Middle East, that part of the world, you know, rather than over in Europe. And so that's why I think things like this are prophetically significant. And in that article, it's fascinating. As you mentioned, they're building uh, three different, well, home houses or buildings, uh, one representing a mosque, the other a church, and the other a synagogue. And this is the fascinating thing. They're trying to cancel Christianity before they even get it up there on that third building because the church is not permitted to have a cross on the building as a method of identifying it. So it's really not a, quote, Christian religion, as you said, they're just trying to combine this under the uh, umbrella of Abraham. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting how that always works. It's, <laughs> tolerance, it's tolerance for everybody except people like us, you know, that hold to biblical absolutes. The, you know, the excuse they're giving, according to the article, is you can't display a cross in an Islamic country, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's just... Um, it, it, it just uh, speaks of the character of the New World Order. Anytime these people, you know, open their mouths about tolerance and, you know, broad-mindedness and let's bring everything together, there's never tolerance or broad-mindedness for the truth. The truth is always excluded in all of these systems, and this is just another glaring example of it. Well, we've got one minute left, and I don't want to open up another um, topic topic here and try to try to wrestle through it. But we're going to come back with Dr. Andy Woods. And by the way, we've got the link to his book in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. It's Babylon, the bookends of prophetic history. You want to check that out because uh, it's, it's fascinating, the times that we're in and what we're seeing now, and then to look back at prophecy and going, hmm, God had this all figured out. Um, but what we're going to talk about when we come back is former President Barack Obama teaming up with celebrities, no, no surprise there, for YouTube Originals special called Dear Earth, and it's meant to celebrate Mother Earth. And yes, I'm thinking climate change is going to be working into this topic. Also, the UN warns of global famine and more when we come back 
with Dr. Andy Woods on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So Andy Woods is from Houston, Texas, and I heard on the radio coming to work this morning uh, the news that there's another migrant caravan or something. There's a, just a lot of people that are heading our way through Mexico for whatever reason. But this is just fascinating, this battle in America over open borders or closed, whether we should have walls down there or not. It's just fascinating how it's turned into a political battle. And Andy, you're kind of on the front lines being in Houston, right on that southern border in Texas. Can you just share your thoughts on what you hear happening that we don't hear because the news is not reporting it? Right. Well, I mean, the bottom line is the border, you know, is just unenforced. And um, Kamala Harris, who I think you mentioned a little earlier, there's a, you know, she has basically, you can Google this and find it, she basically has outsourced or indicated that that whole job should be outsourced to the United Nations, uh, is basically what she says. She's internationalized the role of border enforcement. So you're dealing with an administration that really doesn't believe it's their job to enforce the border anyway. And, of course, this all favors the Democrats because their thinking is um, let's uh, bring over a whole bunch of people and let's get them signed up for every social program you can get signed up, get them signed up for. And when they vote, um, they're always going to vote for the party that promises to make those social programs bigger and bigger and bigger. So what the Democratic Party is doing is they're basically looking for a constituency. Uh, Middle America, you know, has largely rejected, when you look at the Virginia governor's race recently, has rejected the values of the Democratic Party, so they've got to bring in a new constituency. And this is just another example where, when you look at how they're doing it, they're breaking their own rules. So they're not COVID testing people coming over. They're not social distancing these people coming over. These people coming over are not wearing the proper COVID masks. And they're deliberately shipping them into red states, Mm -hmm. you know, because the purpose is to, gosh, if you can flip Texas and Texas, you know, suddenly becomes sort of uh, purplish, um, the, there's no, there's absolutely no mathematical path for a Republican to ever win the presidency again in the Electoral College. Mm. And then Biden has come out recently and said, let's just, let's not just bring everybody in. Let's, um, we've got to guarantee them some kind of, you know, income or economic package. And this is all done in the name of humanitarianism, but really it's about power. It's about political control. And so we need to get we need to lock down as fast as we can our the integrity of our election process and people cannot be voting you know that cannot demonstrate citizenship to our country and so I would encourage people to instead of buying into the compassion rhetoric you know look at it through the language or the lens of power this mm-hmm. is all about political power Yes, and I would love for you to, to just share a little bit more about that. the one point that you made that I don't think a lot of people understand is that Biden has actually been talking about giving them money, right? Giving families that come across the borders and families that are separated, giving them, and, and I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I'm not mistaken. What, do you, uh, are you aware of those stories, Andy? I'm sure you've uh, talked about this quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I've just uh, heard about them on national news, um, it, but but it doesn't surprise me. I, I was listening to Biden this morning on a on a show I, I DVR'd, and there was a clip of him, uh, you know, basically talking about uh, how all these people need money if they're separated from their children, and basically what people understand need to understand is these people are breaking the law. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're called illegal immigrants. And so when do you give people money, you know, like for example if I commit a crime and they come and arrest me and separate me from my family, well that's the consequences of committing a crime. Uh, that's a normal consequence. Mm-hmm. You don't reward somebody for breaking the law by giving them some kind of economic package. 
but the name of the game is that's what they're trying to do, yeah. and people need to understand it's not about compassion. No. It's about political power, so a Donald Trump phenomenon will never, ever happen again in the United States. It's about flipping the Electoral College. Yeah, it really is. It's infuriating what they continue to do, and now they're openly doing it and talking about it, and there's just such— Lack of accountability and pushback, but let's let's move on here, um, Andy, to the next topic, and that is um, the global management by crisis. Uh, Barack Obama in 2017 literally said, um, "Climate change will force far harsher changes on our kids." He said he insisted that people eating more steak was causing a dramatic rise in climate emissions. And he said that because of Trump and being in the office, the absence of American leadership on on climate change, um, he mentioned that. But here's the hypocrisy, again, that the media seems to ignore. He's lecturing people on climate change, flying around to Europe and everywhere else on a private jet and hopping in SUVs in a 14-car convoy, according to these notes, to give his speeches. Now, this is what he... In 2017, these are some of the things he was talking about. But now, share with us this new Dear Earth thing to celebrate Mother Earth that he is working on with celebrities. Well, it's um, it's basically virtue signaling is what it is. And you get all of these sort of cultural icons. I mean, I you know... I was a little bit heartbroken that he's even got the Muppets involved with it. You know? I mean, you know things are bad when Kermit the Frog, you know, goes bad on you. Well, he but, is green. Uh, he is green, though. Yes, yeah, there you go. But it's 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 basically um, a, I would call it a Marxist strategy, where you get virtue signalers. You know, Coach Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was sort of a child idol of mine as I was growing up. If you look at some of the things they say today regarding how, you know, you're racist if you celebrate Columbus Day and all of these kinds of insane comments, well, these guys are basically used by Marxists as virtue signalers. So when you can get cultural icons to sign on to your agenda, you know, you can sort of sell it to the next... um, Generation, And so that's what's going on here in this article where it says former President Barack Obama is teaming up with celebrities for YouTube Originals Dear Earth special meant to celebrate the Earth. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing is they're packaging Gaia, the idea that the Earth is a, a living, breathing entity that we have to treat right or it will retaliate against us. I mean, this is old stuff. Um, but they're trying to make it new by selling it to a new generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's this idea that we're in some kind of planetary crisis because of our economic behavior. So it's a way to sell to the world that we have to, you know, have our consumption and economic freedom controlled by some kind of international bureaucracy so that the uh, world, you know, can be made safe again. And that's basically Gaia. It's the climate change agenda. And so here is Obama, you know, doing this in this particular event. And he's using a lot of virtue signaling, you know, to do it. And so, as Yogi Berra said, it's deja vu all over again. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners, I've tried to do this, but I think you can do it more eloquently than me, why they don't ever address Father Earth it's always Mother Earth. Can you explain this this idea of feminine, like the, for feminists, like gods and, and the female? Can you explain that? Well, it, it goes back really to Nimrod at the Tower of Babel. What came out of that was something called the Queen of Heaven. Mm-hmm. That's In fact, when you go into Ezekiel, I want to say it's around chapter 8, uh, you'll see a reference to the Queen of Heaven. It's idolatry coming into the, the nation of Israel. And so the Queen of Heaven has always been used, going all the way back to the days of Nimrod in Genesis 11, of this idea that the earth is basically a, a being that we have to treat properly. So it's ancient Mother Earth Gaia worship, uh, Queen of Heaven, female 
going back to Genesis 11, and people hear about it, and they kind of think that it's new. Hmm. But um, as one man said, it's new age, but it's an old lie. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where the feminine aspect of the earth came from. It goes back to Genesis 11, the queen of heaven. Okay. Now, in that article also, they talk about um, highlighting, and it's, I guess, an hour and a half or a hundred minutes highlighting how we should be solving climate problems. Um Andy, we've heard Biden and other Democrats saying, uh, you know, the uh, climate change is an existential threat to the human race, to humanity, to America. And I don't know about you, but I don't hear much pushback on that or people saying, well, wait a minute. Is that the most important thing? Um, What do you think about this? Because it seems like the public maybe has already been programmed or duped? They, they've repeated that so many times, and now do people believe it? Well, one of the things to understand is that the environment was intentionally selected, and I should be clear that we ought to be good stewards of the earth. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with that. I'm not into um, abuse of the environment. I'm not into, you know, to- dumping, you know, toxic chemicals into areas where... You know, we swim and we need water and all of that. That's all fine. But what people need to understand is beyond all of that, the uh, environment itself was intentionally selected by the Mm one-worlders. In fact, here's a really fast quote from Alexander King and uh, uh, Bertrand Schneider in their book, The First Global Revolution. Hmm. Back in 1991, they say, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famines, and the like would fit the bill, close quote. In other words, in order to have a global solution, which is, you know, to me, the worst problem, that's the ultimate crisis, the solution they want to bring in. world government, they have to have a global problem. I mean, people won't accept a global solution until they first accept the premise of a global problem. And what better tool to use to bring in a global problem than the issue of the environment, because the environment is transnational. It affects all of us. And so if people believe that we're doing something to damage the environment by causing the earth to the temperature to rise or cool, then we'll cry out for the global solution. And so it's pretty much that simple. Of course, as a Bible reader, and this is why they hate the Bible, and this is why they hate particularly early Genesis, as a Bible reader, I don't buy into it because Genesis 8 verse 22 in the Noahic Covenant says, when the earth, while the earth remains, God says, seed time and harvest cold and heat, let me say that again, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night Mm. shall not cease, close quote. In other words, biblically, God said at the very beginning that the world is going to go through natural cycles that have absolutely nothing to do with human consumption or capitalism or the free market. And he, he mentions here four cycles. One of them is day and night, you know, that's going to happen regardless of what kind of SUV, whether I drive an SUV or not, uh, summer and winter, and he, uh, seed time and harvest, and right there in the mix he mentions cold and heat. So the earth is going to go through natural rhythms or cycles of cold and heat, and it has nothing to do with free market capitalism. And what these one-worlders want you to believe is that our world is so defectively manufactured because they believe it came about by accident, evolution over billions of years, yeah. <laughs> that, that little old us can do something to, to disrupt these rhythms. Amazing. And the Bible says, no, God created this world. The world is going to go through natural cycles, and it has nothing to do with human consumption. So God is saying, okay, be a good steward of the earth, but don't buy into a mindset that says we're creating a crisis because if you believe that, then you'll accept their global solution, which is totalitarian one-world government. So, wow, 
so much going on. In the next couple, <laughs> we just have three minutes left um, okay. and in this segment, but I just want to touch on one more story along these lines, and that is the fear-mongering of the power elites. The United Nations is warning of a global famine, chaos, and terrorism, and war if the climate summit fails. Andy, your thoughts to uh, wrapping this up in three minutes here. Well, you know, I quoted Yogi Berra earlier, you know, the great theologian Yogi Berra. It's, <laughs> it's deja vu all over again. I mean, this is just old stuff. Um, the Dalai Lama was saying this kind of stuff back in 2001. Um, let me quote the great theologian Danny Glover, <laughs> whose movies, you know, I enjoy. But you can fi- find him in 2010 basically saying that the Haiti earthquake, I don't know if you remember that, David, the Haiti earthquake, that happened, according to Danny Glover, because we didn't surrender enough of our sovereignty to the United Nations at the Copenhagen summit a year earlier. And so now this whole mindset is being recycled. If we don't act now at this, what is it, COP26 gathering in Glasgow, then um, the world, the earth, is going to react against us through tsunamis and earthquakes and all of these kinds of things. So we have to treat Mother correctly, (laughs) or she will retaliate against us. And they really believe this. Yes, they do. Yeah. And if enough people believe it, we'll surrender our sovereignty to the United Nations or some international bureaucracy. So it's time to get back to God. Mm -hmm. It's time to get His perspective on things. And so I would encourage people to read what God says in his covenant with Noah back in Genesis 8, verse 22. There's no crisis that we're causing uh, to come upon the earth. The earth goes through natural cycles. That's right. And by the way, how did they get to that summit again in Glasgow? Oh, that's right. (laughs) Private jets. (laughs) Yes. Carbon emissions. Hey, the hypocrisy continues unchecked by the uh, liberal media in America. But, hey, when we come back, we've just got a minute left. I just want to share with people what we're going to be talking about in a minute. We've got to address the gender surrender and what happened in Colorado. It's historic. We'll do that. Also, um, we've had Arthur Pulowski on this podcast, and he is now ordered to read a disclaimer whenever speaking out against COVID-19 mandates. Seriously, from the pulpit. The Canadian government is trying to mandate him that he must read a disclaimer from the government uh, talking about the majority of medical experts on COVID. We'll talk about that also when we come back. And more censorship. Apple took down a Bible app in China to appease the communist regime. A lot more with Dr. Andy Woods in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. I'm looking at Amazon right now and the bestsellers, and if you go to the category of eschatology, Dr. Andy Wood's book is the number 11 bestseller, and of course it's called Babylon, The Bookends of Prophetic History, which we've talked about on a previous podcast here on Stand Up For The Truth, but we'll link this in the podcast notes today. So, uh, Andy, uh, I just hope that more people check out the book. But let's jump over to this. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me whenever you hear, you know, China, the communist regime, uh, forcing someone, censoring someone or whatever. But they, Apple, I thought Apple was pretty big, but I guess um, they took down a Bible app in China to appease the communists. And this is over at the Christian Post. So uh, share your thoughts on that. Well, it's just uh, something, I guess, that's bothered me for a while as we're moving more into this um, sort of, you know, environment where we're all dependent on this technology. You know, people have everything on their phone, including their Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the old days, we used to say, okay, open your Bible, too, and you could hear everybody in the church, you know, the, the, the pages <laughs> kind of rustling there. And it's not that way anymore. Everybody's got their Bible on their app. And I guess that's sort of bothered me for a while, because if we get too dependent on that, someone could just push a button and the app could disappear. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, there it is in China, where Apple is trying to cooperate with the existing government, you know, the Marxist regime in China. And so they're removing, you know, religious 
components from people's um, phones, mm. which goes right down to the Bible that they read from. And so I think the time in history has come where we need to have backups. You know, make sure you've got a copy of your own Bible <laughs> and some of your favorite Christian authors, you know, that you might read. Make sure you've got a hard copy of those books as well, because, you know, when we're too technologically dependent, um, you know, bad things can happen. And I will emphasize Babylon, the bookends of prophetic history, and yep. canceling Christianity. Um, let's talk about the gender surrender now. Uh, Twitter suspended a Republican congressman's account for stating a truth or a fact. Um, he called Rachel Levine a man. Um, and they suspended his account. This is, I guess it shouldn't surprise us, Andy, but this is the intolerance of the left and how they have kind of reclaimed uh, language, language, or you know, they're just trying to uh, control speech and, and truth, really. Um, you wrote a little bit about that. You shared a little bit about that article. So uh, what would you like to share? Well, if Twitter can do that to a congressman... I mean, what can they do to little old me? Yeah. And what can they do to little old you? It just shows me that these tech tyrants, you know, they have almost no fear. I mean, they did it with Trump, the leader of the free world. Yes. You know, they just pushed a button and suspended or disabled or whatever term you want to use his Twitter account, which he was using to, you know, basically communicate to millions and millions of people. And, you know, here is this congressman, and his account is suspended because someone that identifies as a woman used to be a man, and he had the temerity to call the person a man, mm -hmm. which is their gender they were born with. And so I guess that's a crime so egregious that we have to, <laughs> you know, prevent him from speaking. And so it just shows you the, the time period that, that we're living in where you know, tech has this incredible power, and they're they're using it, you know, against people that simply want to say the obvious. You know, objects fall at 32 feet per second. You know, stating the obvious, the law of gravity, if it goes against the pre-existing narrative, they push a button and you're disabled. So how does this relate to you as a pastor, to me, to our listeners as Christians, because the biblical worldview is that God created created man, he made them male and female, and this person, Rachel Levine, uh, biologically, according to his DNA, and, and you know, he is still a man, and that is that is a truth, but now Twitter claimed that this violated it's hateful conduct policy. Now, we haven't seen a lot of hate speech legislation yet, uh, Pastor Andy, but uh, this is going to come, and, if, and it's probably already being you know, thought up around the country right now, but it's, it's misgendering is what they're calling it. Dead naming, which I didn't realize, dead naming of transgender individuals, but misgendering, we've heard more about that in recent years, haven't we? Yeah, and hate speech, of course, they've been working on this for a long time, but yep. it's um, it's basically a category so big that you can just use, you know, you can define it any way you want. And so hate speech is now anything that goes against the pre-existing narrative that they're trying to push, even if you're just stating the obvious that someone was born as a man. You know, they push a button and, um, you know, you, you, your influence is limited. And it's it's troublesome to me from the human perspective because God on page one of his book is pretty clear. You know, there's male and female. Mm -hmm. I only see two genders there. And it's not a matter of your, um, you know, emotional state at the time. It's a biological reality. So you can't even state the truth of Genesis 1 without being canceled. And once again, if they can do this to an existing congressman, what can they do, you know, to my ministry, which is based on a literal interpretation of the Bible? And we have one more story in that same category of gen under gender surrender, which is, uh, I think Colorado won the award, not surprisingly, Andy, that uh, they issued the first U.S. passport with an ex-gender marker. And uh, this is the State Department. They're all in, and they're 
probably going to do this, uh, if they're going to try to do this in more states. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are, you know, as I quoted this article, it's actually really not an article. It comes right mm. off the State Department website. Yes. So, you know, we're not dealing anymore with a kooky professor somewhere at some university. We're not dealing anymore with someone with a crazy website. We're dealing with official United States government policy mm-hmm. where now we have an ex-gender <laughs> passport Um, And so the gender surrender movement has largely won because it's now the official um, policy of the United States government, you know, to have passports that aren't male or female, but have, you know, that X category. So the gender surrender movement has largely culturally won the day. That, thank you for for stating that's such an important point to make. It's not some wacky university <laughs> professor who his, his history is, is, you know, Marxism, and that's all he talks about um, or pushes in anti-American. This is something that, that comes from the state.gov, and that is government policy. This administration and the State Department, this is something that we should keep an eye on. It's Like you said, it's not a kooky website. Okay, we've got about uh, six, uh, six minutes left or so. Andy, I don't want to run out of time. Before we talked about Pastor Archer Pulowski from yeah. Alberta, Canada, we had him on the podcast. Uh, I just want to share, well, I want you to just share this story and how um, this is just amazing. Uh, maybe not for the Canadian government, but sometimes what happens in Canada doesn't stay in Canada, does it? No, unfortunately, um, our northern neighbors have a mindset that, you know, could eventually become, you know, policy in the United States. But it has to do with this Alberta Justice um, Adam Germain uh, basically telling Pastor uh, Pawlowski, if I'm pronouncing that right, that every time from his pulpit, if he says anything about these COVID passports or the vaccine or anything negative that he's got to give the other side and he's got to express to people, you know, basically that uh, the scientists on the other side have an opposite opinion of him. So this, of course, gets my attention because now the government of Canada is basically telling this pastor, you know, to lie from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the end of the article, you have Pastor Pawlowski saying, now, quote, now every time I open my mouth to the public, I have to lie. Yep. Stating that vac- vaccinations are saving lives, that masks work, and that doctors and scientists are all for restrictions, close quote. So the government of Canada is controlling the pulpit of a church. That's the takeaway here. Of course, what if a liberal pastor or a progressive pastor is pro-vaccine? You know, does he have to give the anti-vaccine side of the equation? (laughs) Well, of course, uh, the judge's opinion didn't address that. No surprise there. But it does, you know, address conservative pastors that want to speak biblical truth Concerning the vaccination, Mm -hmm. they now have to give, you know, the so-called opposite end of the uh, equation. And essentially what's happening is Canada is now controlling the pulpit of a church, which to me is terrifying. And one of the first things he said was, welcome to China 2021, China and Canada. But what they said in the statement, Andy, is very interesting. They repeated at least three times, maybe four, that the majority of medical experts are all pro-vaccine. They favor social distancing, mask wearing, avoiding large crowds. Um, now, I don't think that could come to America because look at our football stadiums every weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the science doesn't say avoid large crowds, wear masks, social distance, because the public is not carrying that out. But this is what he's being made to say. Fascinating that they keep saying most medical experts, you know, like there's a consensus, right, of all scientists. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I didn't know truth was up for majority opinion. I mean, does that mean if we all cast a vote that suddenly men are no longer men, but suddenly become women? 
Um, isn't this the same crowd of medical experts that's told us that evolution is a scientific fact? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the majority of people believe it in the medical profession, does that make it true? And this is the same crowd that has given us, you know, the whole issue of climate change, that somehow we're causing planetary crisis. So I guess in the minds of in the mind of this judge, if the majority of the experts agree on something, that suddenly makes it true. If the majority of the experts in the profession agree that the law of gravity has been suspended, I guess that makes it true as well. You know, the truth of the matter is majority opinion means absolutely nothing. Um, When you look at the Bible, you know, what you'll see is the majority, you know, typically is wrong about most things. Uh, For example, the spies that wanted to, you know, that were spying out the land Mm -hmm. in the days of Joshua. Yes. You know, the majority said we can't take the land, but a minority, Joshua and Caleb, said we can take the land. And so the majority is, you know, is typically wrong. And, you know, I choose to follow experts that have well-grounded opinions on things that may not necessarily follow majority opinion, but they're following the science. Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is one of my favorites, Dr. Simone Gold is one of my favorites. Um, There are many, many names that we could mention. So how come they never get a voice? Well, their voice is canceled. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to find them over on Telegram or Rumble or somewhere like that where they can't get canceled. And so basically, that's what I think of this majority opinion mindset. And, you know, the bottom line is the government of Canada is interfering with an unalienable right of Pastor Pulowski, which is the ability to speak freely from his pulpit. Basically what they're saying is, don't address this issue, because I don't think Pastor Pulowski wants to read this disclaimer. So what he's going to do is just to avoid the subject, Mm. which means a whole perspective of free speech and thought, you know, disappears, you know, from the Canadian pulpit. Andy, um, as far as the American pulpits go, there are some pastors, and we only have a minute left, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I shouldn't even get into this, but I just want to—you do mention in your pastor's point of view uh, the article from you know, John Piper was John Piper was saying there's a reason to be vaccinated, uh, freedom, and so he's pro-vaccination, and he did talk about that from the pulpit, but uh, we appreciate people who are able to share— be respectful of both views and not be prideful. But anyway, Andy Woods, thank you so much for your time. God bless you, brother, and we'll talk to you hopefully soon. Great, David. Thanks for having me. Are you very welcome. Friends, tomorrow, Pastor Shane Eidelman of Southern California. Thursday, Jan Markell, Understanding the Times and Olive Tree Views. Friday, Cal Beisner, and we'll talk more about climate change. Thanks again. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.